Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 29 of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo, he is Maurice Moten, and we're doing something a little different here on the Mike and Mo Show today. This is an all-football show to go. I said it's all football centric. All we're talking about is NCAA, NFL, a little bit of fantasy football. So I uh, hope you're a, a football fan in general because that is what is going to be on the docket. Mo, welcome to the show. Tell us what we got in store. Well, as you said, it's all NFL today. That's right in my wheelhouse. So we'll talk the major stories in the NFL today. We're going to talk fantasy football because we had the Mike versus Mo versus the world. Fantasy Football League last Sunday, mm-hmm. and I crushed it as expected, yeah. and I'll talk about that, and we'll recap that. But first, uh, actually, wait, we're going to also get into college football because it's a big college football weekend. Some people say it's one of the biggest we've ever seen with the matchups coming up this weekend, so we're going to get into that as well. So now, we're going to get to the elephant in the room, which is Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. Of course, this is a football story, but it's also... A social issue story based on what he did and the cause. But both Mike and I have a stance on this Colin Kaepernick story. And it's not just specific to a certain group of people. Everyone can have their opinion on this. And I'm sure Mike is probably, some of his points are going to oppose mine. But like two gentlemen, we're going to talk it out, as most people should. And we're still going to be boys right after the conversation. So For sure. Without further ado, uh, as you all know, if you have been living under a rock, you don't. But Colin Kaepernick sat out for the Star Spangled Banner, and it caused massive outrage through social media. Everyone has a comment on it. Donald Trump chimed in. Some veterans have opposing views on it. And he, he explained his reasoning, but of course that reasoning wasn't good enough for certain people. Some people still feel that. It's kind of off-color and bad taste. Uh, He had a follow-up press conference, which I will criticize him on. But just to start it off, um, I know a lot of people have compared him to Muhammad Ali, and in no way, shape, or form am I saying that he's Muhammad Ali at this stage in his life. Of course, Muhammad Ali went through a lot. But I think what people are trying to say in that connection between Kaepernick and Ali is, one, well, they both made stands. Different stands. They did, obviously, they had different things that they did in their time. But they both made a stand. And and months ago, we praised Ali for his stance in standing up. And Kaepernick gets a lot of flack. Now, again, I know two different activities, two different people, two different things, two different stages, two different sports, even. But but I I feel like the message, Colin Kaepernick sits out for the Star Spangled Banner because he's protesting what sounds like police brutality, which we've all been talking about before Kaepernick even did this. Unfortunately, because of the way he delivered his message is getting lost in the transition and people are focusing on what he did versus what he's standing for. The issue with, with comparing the two, which, you, like you said, you can't right now because we don't know how, how much further this will go and how far Colin Kaepernick will, will take this, is the fact that Muhammad Ali was willing to go to prison for an unspecified amount of time. He lost his boxing license, which means he lost his wage, his income, the ability to feed his family for three years. So 
you cannot compare the two because Colin Kaepernick is still a part of the team. He's not oppressed to the point where he is going to quit the NFL and give up $19 million. So right off the table, and again, this could change tomorrow, depending on reports are that Colin Kaepernick could lose his job, not because just of what has transpired over the past week, but the fact that he is now almost third on the depth chart in San Francisco. Of course, if he is to get cut, uh, 9 out of 10 people are going to point to the stance that he's currently taking as the main reason. But Mo, to be honest with you, it's not because he's just not a very good quarterback anymore. We we saw what he did this past offseason trying to orchestrate a trade to the Jets, the Broncos, asking for his release, not getting it, subsequently being told that he has a dead arm. So there's, there's a lot of things that have transpired that unfortunately – if and when he is released or traded, and we'll talk a little bit about where he might end up uh, later in the show, that it's going to point right back to this one specific instant, and I don't think that's fair to him either. It, the thing is, you got okay. There are two things going on here. You have Colin Kaepernick the person and Colin Kaepernick the player. Now, I read a report, Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report, who I will be working for this year for the Raiders. That's a quick plug. Uh, he said that ninety to ninety-five percent of the GMs hate Kaepernick. He used the word hate, not dislike him, hate him. To me, that doesn't sound like a football reason. That sounds like it's personal. So when you say, yes, he is on a decline. Yes, he's not the same Colin Kaepernick of, of the person who went to the Super Bowl. But didn't RG3 get like a second, third chance? You mean to tell me if Colin Kaepernick didn't take his political stance that a team wouldn't pick him up and maybe make him a backup or maybe he winds up somewhere where a team needs a stopgap quarterback? If you're going to pick up a guy like RG3 who's probably dead in the dirt, you're not going to take a chance on a, on a quarterback who once went to the Super Bowl. So if he gets cut, I'm not saying he gets cut because of his stance. What I'm saying is that NFL GMs don't want the distraction in their locker rooms. You see it with, with uh, players who are dragged through the mud for uh, domestic violence. In most cases, if the player isn't good or at the top of his game, they do not want that distraction. And again, Mike Freeman spelled it out for all of us. GMs and front offices use the word hate. When you use the word hate before you list any stats, that's a personal decision. And I think if he loses his job in San Francisco based on his, uh, I should say, lack of production, which is fine. I'm not saying he gets cut because of what he did or because he's black. He's getting cut because he's too expensive and he's not good enough to hold up to that contract. But what I'm saying is if he doesn't get a second chance, you have to know that that's because of his political stance. Yeah, and that's totally understandable that you know it's unfair for him to not get that chance because of that stance you know but again it shouldn't be about that because you know it i've read a lot of things this week that certain conservative people in the media tried to compare this to almost the tim tebow situation where tebow was given a lot of flack and a lot of praise for for his kneeling down after a touchdown for his pregame uh prayer and not that you can really correlate a, a real direct line from one to the other but there was there was a lot of flack that said Tebow isn't given a second chance because his beliefs are too strong whether you agree in the fact that he prays to God or whatever whoever his God might be people didn't necessarily agree with that so unfortunately when these big wigs say that they hate someone or they don't respect someone for a reason it's not fair but that seems to be 
the way that this business is ran. So you, you almost have to take you, – you should take an understanding that Colin Kaepernick, what he's doing, it's fair. This is America. We have we have amendments. This is – it's the thing that he can do. Now, do you have to agree with it? No, because that's also part of the Constitution. You don't have to agree with it. You don't need to get on you know Facebook and social media and in the news and totally blast the guy and call him the names uh, like – there was a there's a bunch of names like Justin Pugh, who is his teammate in San Francisco, made it clear he was furious about the gesture. Uh, Victor Cruz said, "You've got to respect the flag." And former 49ers teammate Alex Boone strongly condemned him for his shameful post. Uh, even Jerry Rice came out on Facebook and said, "All lives matter. So much right. going on in this world today. Can we all just get along, Colin? I respect your stance, but don't respect the flag." Uh, again, it, it, it kind of seems like we're all piggybacking on top of one thing. Maybe one thing doesn't have to do with the next. Uh, but again, again, that's, that's these men's unfortunate the way they feel. Colin feels a certain way. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of going on in the media as far as veterans who have been showing support for Colin right now that uh, there was a gentleman at I believe his first name is Rory I forget his last name but he was at the Cubs game a couple nights ago and he had a he had a uh, towel that he wrote uh, we we veterans sit with Colin Kaepernick we support him so there's a lot of different things that are going on we're not going to just hear one side or the other Uh, but my question for you Mo really is that we've heard we've heard from both sides by now there's a lot of going back and forth and there's a lot of conversation which, which is good. Conversation hopefully sparks change. But I really, if I was in a room with Colin Kaepernick, I would want to know what is your end game? What do you really, what did you really plan to accomplish by sitting or speaking your mind that you're going to sit during the national anthem? Because you can do that. You have every right to do that. You also have every right to be chastised for that. But what are you going to do? Are you going to pull a Carmelo Anthony and speak about this and then go into anywhere in the world, inner cities, anywhere that has issues that need to be overcame are you going to enact change are you going to be a face of change or are you just going to say i'm going to sit and wait for something to happen because that's my issue with all of this is that if he is out there already or he's doing something to build upon all of this that he's created great fantastic but if you're just going to be a person that is going to speak your mind and then let it go that i don't to to a certain extent don't understand because there is a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of there's a lot that needs to be changed, and this is a good starting point. But is it just going to end here? What this he needs to he needs to build off of this. Otherwise, he does just look like he put his tail between his legs and ran away. And you have a point. The, th- the thing with this situation with Colin Kaepernick is we we have no idea where this is going to go. Yeah. This is just this is just the tipping point. This this is the first time we're hearing about it. People didn't realize that Colin Kaepernick sat. You know, I, I believe a game or two prior. Yeah. It, the third game was the first game where a, a, I believe a reporter from SB Nation took a photo of him sitting. So for the people who say he's just doing this for attention, I, I I would have to push back against that because then if he was, wouldn't we have known when he first did it? Sure. He just sat quietly, and and that was his protest. He didn't he didn't ask for cameras to pick him up, or he didn't wear something, or he didn't draw attention to himself. Now again. What, what this turns into, we have no idea. Colin Kaepernick has gone through a lot of life changes over the last months that I didn't know about. Number one, he's become a vegan. Number two, he's converted to Muslim. Or I should say, he, now people are saying, oh, can't be is- Islamophobic. He's a Muslim now. So it, there's a lot of changes that he's done also in the background. So to me, I feel like 
in all essence, we have to take him for his word until he proves us wrong. And I guess that's a personal life uh, standby that I that I stand by. That if a person says something, it's one thing if they say something, and and for me, until they prove me wrong or they run off track with something, then I'm like, all right, I can't believe in this person. But if a person says something, take them seriously for what they say, unless they have a past history of of not not following through. I know Colin Kaepernick, people are bringing up old stories about him uh, using racial epithets. And what I tell people is that we often grow. Now, if he used these epithets years ago, think about what you did years ago. Is that the same person you are today? Didn't you make mistakes back in your day when you were younger? Colin Kaepernick was in his mid-20s back then. He wore, Yes, I know he did some silly things. Wore a Dolphins hat when he plays for the 49ers. I get it. He's done some immature things. He was in his mid-20s. He is now about 28 years old. And we all go through changes. We all go through growth periods and growth changes and maturity processes and stuff like that. So who he was three years ago doesn't necessarily mean that he is the same person today. Now, back to the commentary that's coming off of uh, all of this Colin Kaepernick business. And you said, as I brought up in the notes, you have veterans that do support him. So what I don't understand is that how can people say that Kaepernick sitting is a blatant disrespect to our troops when even our troops, some of our troops stand with him? So I don't think it's a blanket disrespect to them. I think certain people associate the flag or the national anthem with our troops, which is fine. I get it. I understand the connection. When you go to a sporting event and you think about that flag, you think about our veterans, our servicemen defending our freedoms, I get it. But not everyone makes the same connection to it. And and Kaepernick didn't call out his veteran, didn't call out the veterans that, that support him and protect him. He even said, look, I'm doing this for the veterans that come back home who aren't taken care of, too. I'm doing this for them as well. And people, people conveniently miss that. And I, and I listened to all his press conferences and what he said at his locker room and what he's standing for. And people miss certain parts where he's, he's saying, yes, I have veterans in my family. I support them when they come back home and people ignore them. So we have to just be careful where we have our connotations. I know everyone's going to have their feelings about it, but I think we need to stay with the message of what he's standing for. Now, just to move the conversation forward a little bit, um, I, do, I, I do understand what what he's doing could be looked at as insensitive, but sometimes the message is not always going to be clean. It's not always going to be Carmelo Anthony-like with, every, with no feelings are hurt. Sometimes protests actually hurt feelings. If I go to a cop protest and I'm, I'm protesting uh, police brutality, it doesn't mean I'm disrespecting all police officers. It just means you want things to be a little better in the society. And again, if Colin Kaepernick, if that's his message, if he stays on message, Fine, I'm all for it. You know, he can sit. He has that. He has that right. So we're past that. He does have the right to do it. It's just the way people perceived it. Their feelings are hurt, and I understand that too. And they're gonna have their feelings about that. Now, real quick, I know this is gonna usher into, I guess, what your huge criticism is. Colin Kaepernick showed up at a at a follow up press conference with Fidel Castro on his shirt, which I I will say I didn't like because I understand what he was trying to do there. But it was in very bad, uh, very poor taste. Yes, because if you know anything about Fidel Castro and you know about the oppression that's been going on in Cuba since the 1960s and you know what those people have gone through, how, what kind of signal does that send to the right. people that he's trying to stand up for? Which, did, and did everybody of oppression here in America send Colin Kaepernick an email and say, can you please stand up for us? Or in this 
please sit down for us. I mean, it's just, you weren't a Malcolm X hat, you weren't a Fidel Castro t-shirt. I have, I have, well, I will have Cuban family members, my fiance's half Cuban, so uh, to hear the stories that, that went on, while I'm not an African American and I haven't, I haven't understood oppression that way, I can understand what these people had, they had to flee their homeland in, in boats and rafts in the middle of the night and, and potentially perish at sea. And yet this man who's trying to stand up for one thing shows the disregard to even understand a type of shirt that he's wearing. I don't care that he thought it was a good idea. This goes back to my Deshaun Watson talk last week. Man, you need to look something up on the internet. You need to read a book. You need to speak to someone that might actually have a little bit more information in your in their heads than you because you you lost a lot of people right there. And I was totally... I was on I was under understanding on the bandwagon with him. I understood where he was going. And then you come and you do something stupid and it might have been totally unintentional. But you've lost all credibility, at least with me, and probably a large section of the population because of one minor call it fashion faux pas, call it whatever you want. But in my mind, it's it was a dumbass move and, and it just makes it makes everything that you've done to this point kind of seem like a moot point because you didn't take the time, or maybe you did. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the guy. Maybe he said, "Well, I associate with. I understand." The, I, it just doesn't make sense that you're standing up for one thing, and yet something that's been going on for the past what is it, seventy years almost in Cuba, which is only about ninety miles south of, of Miami, so close to home, that you could show blatant disregard for. And I that that's a slap in the face. That has that has to do more with showing uh, for the flag, showing for for the people, the men and the women that that risk their lives every day for our freedom than anything else. You can't correlate the two, but this directly can. Guys like Pat Tillman who left millions of dollars to go fight after 9/11 that lost their lives. Guy like Glenn Coffey who left the 49ers a couple years ago to go be an Army Ranger. I mean, that's a slap in the face. The other stuff I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, Stars and Stripes, the Star Spangled Banner, that, that's a totally different plane. But this right here, you're basically, you're basically portraying Fidel Castro in, in, in a certain light, and he can say, no, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you portrayed, and actions are, are, are a lot stronger than words. So that, that my man, was just, was just a really bad look. And again, you need to get people around you that have a little bit more insight into something that, that's it's a major thing. It's not just putting on a t-shirt, putting on a colored t-shirt, walking out the door. You knew what you were doing. You, if you don't know who Fidel Castro is, then wow, I, that's kind of hard to believe. But that was, that's just a bad look. And again, Mo, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the end all be all of the conversation, but... People are going to have an opinion about that, and that's an opinion from a, that's not black, that's not white. This is Hispanic. This is this is people that come from Spain that that immigrated to Cuba before Castro was in power, and these were people that were oppressed that basically didn't even know they were getting themselves into the situation. And what did they do? They had to flee. So, trying to compare Cuba's situation to America, where people are still every day trying to get into America, not out is something completely different with Cuba where they don't have basic human necessities like food and medicine. Uh, they don't have the internet, so they can't, they can't even see what's going on in the rest of the world. That's my issue with Colin. Yeah, like I said, I, I can't defend him, and, and I'm not out here to defend Colin Kaepernick either throughout this whole ordeal. I did some research on the shirt and the meaning, and again, this is not an out for Colin Kaepernick, but I actually zoomed in and I saw what, what he had on his shirt. And he had 
the meeting between Fidel Castro and Malcolm X when uh, Fidel Castro came to Harlem. And basically, it was Fidel Castro's way of trying to say that, look, I'm not going to impress, I'm not going to oppress, uh, you know, African, Afro-Cubans where I am. And obviously, we know that that was a farce. Yeah. But again, that's what he was trying to portray. It wasn't just just to make it clear. I know I don't I don't know if you knew this or not, but just to make it clear to the people out there, it wasn't just like a Fidel Castro power and you know pro Fidel Castro shirt. It was an it was an actual meeting between Castro and, and Malcolm X. Yeah, and that's, now, and that's and, fine. But that but like you just said, that conversation between Castro and Malcolm X, while not oppressing black Cubans, was still fine with oppressing white Cubans. Mm-hmm. So. That's the same thing. It's the same type of oppression. White people oppression, black people oppression. While in America, obviously, it's a black people oppression. In in Cuba, it's all people oppression. You're right. And and again, that's what I said. I can't. I can't. I can't defend him on that. That again, it was in very poor taste to to do that right after you you make a stand and you have a, you know a, basically a dictator on your shirt. Just not. It's just totally opposite from the mess that you are trying to portray. What I will say about Kaepernick is he. And I think Max Kellman brought this up, and it was a very good point, is when you first become, I guess now on Twitter, on the social, they call it quote-unquote woke. (laughs) When you first start uh, this whole activism thing, some of your messages are going to be be off, like that one was. Some of them are going to be on point, but you're you're just kind of feeling your way around a new territory, and you're going to have hits, and you're going to have misses, because... I had I had an excerpt from something Muhammad Ali said when he um, when he first denied to go fight in the Vietnam War, and he basically said oh, white people are his oppressor. Now, to me, I look at that and I and I shake my head and I cringe a little bit because you don't paint everyone with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. Now, again, this I know this is another comparison to Ali, but this is the point that I'm making that sometimes your message it's not going to be perceived well. Sometimes you'll have to retract your statements because of what you said is very insensitive. What you do or whatever symbol you portray, very insensitive to people. And I will, again, I agree with you, Colin Kaepernick, very disrespectful to people who are under that, that dictatorship and under that oppression in Cuba. That was a very poor move on his part. I agree totally, 100% with that. But what I will say is that I'm interested in hearing where he takes it from here. Now, again, I, we've had people all over the place retract statements, including Rodney Harrison, who didn't even know who he was, Colin Kaepernick was black, which I find a little uh, troubling as, yeah. a, as an analyst mm-hmm. that you cover this sport and you don't know that he's half black. That's, I don't know if that was an out to, to get out of what he said about basically, oh, he doesn't know what black people go through because he's not black. And I, what I say to Rodney is that you don't have to be black to speak out on these issues. But back to Kaepernick. I, I would hope that, as you said, he gets some knowledgeable people around him that advise him a little bit better on on how people perceive things. Now, again, sometimes we intend a message to mean something, but it's perceived by people differently. And he has to be mindful of that. He has to be mindful that if he wants support from Cubans or other African-Americans or white, or white people, Caucasian, Asian, whatever it is, he has to be careful not to offend people and turn people off to his message because a lot of people do go on feelings. They're not going to want to hear the facts if they're angry. You have, to, you, have, you have to be able to sit down and have a real conversation. And I like what uh, an offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers said. He's a, a vanilla, vanilla waiver who was a former, I think he was an Army Ranger, but he, he's a vet. 
And he said, um, I agree with Kaepernick's stance. What I would do is I would just have a conversation with him and see what's going on. What is his, as you said, what is his end game? What is he trying to get at? What is he trying to accomplish? And maybe we can get something done. And I think that's the right, I think I shouldn't say right. I think that's a good way to go about it. We just need to have this conversation. And again, Kaepernick needs to be careful with his message. And hopefully we can get to the root cause and we can talk about real issues instead of talking about all the ancillary things that are coming out of this situation and actually talk about the cause because the San Francisco Police Department is asking Kaepernick for an apology. And I think, okay, they feel offended because he's inferring police brutality in our streets is rampant. I get it. But maybe we just need to stop asking people to go on the defensive and have an open forum conversation. You mentioned Melo earlier in this segment. Melo said, I just want to have a talk. We just need to have a talk. Sit down and let's talk about it. Instead of putting people on the defensive and doing all the symbolism and, and offending people and all this, let's just have a talk. Yeah. And the Undefeated had this recently last week. They talked about before Dwayne Wade's cousin was killed in the streets. They had a talk about what's going on in Chicago. And I think that was a great form. And if Kaepernick, if they would allow Kaepernick on the undefeated and have just an open talk so he can get his message out there, I think that would be great. Yeah, I just at this point, I, I don't know how well informed Kaepernick really is with everything. Uh, he, he almost, him and his people have to start, and I mean that as his, his camp, they need to start thinking about in hypotheticals. Thinking, you know, and a lot of people don't like to do that, but it's, you kind of have to. You know, if I do this move, what is potentially going to happen? You know, and that's that's a lot of the reason why if he if he is cut and his and his owners said, you know, to a source that it's creating a locker room divide, it's it's understandable to a certain to a certain extent it's understandable because when you speak out, whether it's it's justified or not, it's people are going to have reactions. So you have to think about the other fifty, was it fifty three men in the locker room, how are they going to feel? So, and again, like you said, we get caught up in emotion and we get swept away with exactly what we want coming out of our mouth exactly at the right moment. But you really, really have to be super prepared, like a politician to a certain extent. You have to have a rebuttal. You have to be able to go out on the offensive, the defensive. You, you have to be a master speaker. And, and maybe he is, maybe he's not. But all we've heard from him so far is the same thing. It, it's, it's why I'm doing this, it's who I'm doing this for, and it's just repeated, repeated, repeated. So, I, I like you said, I want to see more, I want to hear more, but again, if it's, if it's just the same thing over and over again, well, then we have a Donald Trump situation on our hands. So, again, it'll be interesting to see, it's coming from all angles, but again, just word to the wise, PSA announcement, whether you're for or against him, People are going to have their, their own opinion, and you can't criticize one person's opinion because that's basically the other, that's exactly what the other party is trying to do as well. So it's just, that's just going to create a back and forth. So that's why I was so adamant on, Colin, give us more. Give us a reason. Why exactly are you doing this? But more than that, what is the purpose of it? Where do you, where do you see this going? Are you going to send 40 children to college like LeBron James is doing? Awesome. Great. That's a step in the right direction. Or is it just going to lie here in the weeds? And which I don't agree with is some, one, the general manager compared him to Ray Carruth, which if you remember Ray Carruth from the Carolina Panthers was, was obviously in jail for the rest of his life, terrible person who set up a, a murder of his wife. Uh, you can't do that either. That's not, it's not even on the same speaking plane. So I, I want to come to a, a middle ground for everyone involved, throw all the facts on the table, and then really have a legitimate 
positive forward-thinking conversation that sets us all apart and then eventually unites us as one because that is the only way that I feel this converse, this what's taking place will have an effect. Yeah, um, just to swing this back to a football conversation, Colin Kaepernick is due about, I believe, 15, 16 million. The 49ers are probably not going to allow him to play so that he can avoid injury because he has an injury clause that if he does get hurt, he's guaranteed money. Now, if he doesn't get hurt and he finishes the year, they can release him and recoup a lot of that cash. And I think that's what's eventually going to happen to Colin Kaepernick. Now, basically, he's to me, in my opinion, he's committing career suicide here because, again, I just read out a, uh, a report to you, Mike Freeman, 90 to 95% of GMs hate him. They're not going to sign him. So once the 49ers are done with him, I, his career is basically done. So for the people that are saying, oh, will Kaepernick give up his his check for, for what he's doing? Because he's, he's accepting those American dollars. Well, he's basically sacrificing those dollars because, as I just said to you earlier, RG3 got another chance, second, third chance. I'm sure Colin Kaepernick, a former Super Bowl quarterback, would have got another chance. But because of his political stance, he's not going to get that. And like I said, I... I can pretty much guarantee you he's not going to sign with another team. We'll be talking about Colin Kaepernick in the past tense, and teams will just go, man, we'll go somewhere else. We'll go with a young quarterback, and you'll hear Colin Kaepernick on these other shows or whatever putting out his message. Hopefully he's still putting out his message, and he stands strong, and he has good support after it, but he's not going to be an NFL quarterback anymore. And it's it, it's I don't want to say it's sad because GMs have a right to do this, just like if you work for a company and you get on Twitter and you get on Facebook and you say something that they don't like, they have a right to fire you. Just like Kaepernick has a right to say, to speak out, companies have the right to, to do what they do for business. I mean, he is at a workplace. He, he does have a job. So he, he is sacrificing this, and, and I would hope that he lands on his feet and he's able to put out a, a positive message that, you, as you said, that unites people instead of divides. But sometimes, as I said, sometimes protests will divide people. I'm sure back in the day when they had marches and things of that nature, people were divided on these issues. We talked about Muhammad Ali. I'm sure people were divided on that. But the end game, I hope the end game surpasses the, the, the means the horrible means of, of people basically shouting at each other and, and, and just preaching hate. And we use the word hate in this conversation. And I don't think hate is the right word to use in this unless you're talking about actual oppressors like Fidel Castro, people of that nature. So again, just to swing this back to a football conversation, mark my words on this, Kaepernick's career is done, not coming back to the NFL. That is it for the Open Topic. We'll be right back with Open Mike. Well, the internet is ablaze with Tony Romo memes. And if you don't know what I mean, my particular favorite is actually uh, if you keep Tony Romo pressed down for more than a minute, you will get a perfect waffle. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the fact that he was a uh, sandwiched or pancaked or flattened in the uh, preseason game last week. And he is going to miss up to 10 weeks with a broken back. Uh, 36-year-old guy, one surgery after the next. You just have to wonder, when does the guy finally get tired of rehabbing and then getting hurt again? I mean, it's year after year. And, and you know, Cowboy fans, for whatever the reason, are excited about Dak Prescott. I realize he's had two really good preseason games, but guys, they're preseason games. And, um, yeah, they're preseason games. So, Mo. Obviously, do the Cowboys have a huge problem on their hands? And um, 
and then we'll get into some of the possibilities after we talk about the other major injury in the NFL this week. Huge. No, I'm kidding. It's not, it's not huge. Uh, I, I, okay, two things here. Tony Romo, if he – reports are now saying that he's going to be out 8 to 10 weeks because at first they said 6 to 10. So now they're moving it to 8 to 10, which means he's going to be back on the back end. Now, if the Cowboys start off, let's say he's out 10 weeks. At the Cowboys, and they have a bye week in there. So let's say they start off, I don't know, anywhere above 500. I don't see why you would bring Romo back into the fold, especially if Dak Prescott is playing well. Now, if Dak Prescott is out there game managing and he's just handing off the ball to their three running backs, then, yeah, you throw Tony Romo back in. As we all know, some people may know, the front office loves Tony Romo. They stand behind Tony Romo 100%. But this is the Tom Brady-Drew Bledsoe rule. If if you're out with an injury and your backup comes in and plays well, guess what? You lose a job. It is a business. It's about bottom lines, wins and losses. So uh, for Tony Romo, it's it's now he doesn't control his own destiny. It's, uh, it's about Dak Prescott now. Dak Prescott is... People know, played well in the preseason, five touchdowns, no interceptions. But we also know that the preseason and the regular season are two different animals. But like I said, if Dak Prescott comes out and he plays well and just plays, and I don't mean great, if he's even decent and the Cowboys are on a roll and in a groove, I don't see why you put Tony Romo back in the lineup. Now, Mike, you had a list of, I guess, replacements for Tony Romo. I heard that Mark Sanchez... Denver Broncos put him on the trade block, and they contacted Cowboys about it. Wouldn't that be awesome if Mark Sanchez went to the Cowboys, resurrected his career, and they went to the Super Bowl with Mark Buttfumble Sanchez? That would be cool. It would be very, very interesting. I'm going to throw a couple more names at you after we talk about Teddy Ballgame Bridgewater. Uh, yeah. Really, really a shame, and this is a team that won the, uh, the NFC North last season. And uh, it was a report on Twitter that the team trainers actually saved his leg. Uh, he has a tibiofemoral dislocation, meaning the femur, which is the upper part of the leg, went off the tibia, which is the shin and lower leg, on top of a ruptured ACL. Uh, had trainers not been there in time, he could have possibly lost a leg due to amputation. I mean, this is this is bigger than football. This is this is a man may never be able to walk a certain way. Uh, I mean, horrible, horrible, horrible injury. It was a non-contact uh, injury in practice. I mean, you, let me put it, put aside the fact that you know, obviously, this is devastating for for the organization. Um, what what do you do if you're if you're Teddy Bridgewater? Do you do you obviously you're going to try to come back? You're still a young man, but that the confidence, the ability that you know your leg is going to be there, be there for you in the future. That's got to be disheartening to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. I I you know there were a lot of reports coming out. And people were conflicting them. They were saying that his now I heard now this is what I read that his knee was flailing, and I'm like you hear about a leg flailing after a broken leg, but they said his knee. So when I heard that, and I and I didn't even think of this, but someone said, "I hope it's not career threatening because this seems like, you know, as you read out, it's it's a horrible, gruesome injury." And of course, like you said, he's going to work his way back and try to get his way back. But the confidence to get back on the field, he's probably going to have a brace on that leg. He's got to be able to plant his foot as a quarterback. He is a mobile quarterback as well, not a running quarterback, but he he does use his legs legs to get out of trouble, and that may take some time for him to get used to. But to swing it back to the Vikings season outlook, the Vikings have a pretty good roster. And I think even with uh, Sean Hill at quarterback, if it is Sean Hill, they'll they'll be a nine, they'll be an eight and eight, nine and seven team. I originally had them at nine and seven anyway, 
because I didn't see enough from Teddy Bridgewater to put them over the hump because, as we know, Teddy Bridgewater, he's well-liked in that locker room. He's a leader. A lot of his uh, a lot of his gifts are intangibles that we cannot see on the field or measure with, with the box score or the stats. But he had trouble pushing the ball down the field, and that's why they got Laquan Treadwell to kind of help that. I don't know if he, I don't know if Sean Hill and, and Teddy Bridgewater stat-wise are that far apart, but his leadership is definitely going to be missed. But I think the Vikings are going to be okay. They're not, they're not a playoff team, but with their defense and of course Purple Jesus Adrian Peterson, they're going to be okay. All right. So before we get into the players that I'm going to throw at you, I want to ask a quick fantasy question. Um, obviously, we'll talk about our draft later, but how, what kind of effect does this have on, let's say, Des Bryant? Uh, Ezekiel, crop top, and then over on on the on the Vikings part, Adrian Peterson, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Stefan Diggs. Do you now stay away from those guys, or do you want to grab them if you still got a draft going before Thursday, in hopes that they are put, you know, much more of an onus is put on their position? Okay, we're gonna and like I said, we're gonna talk about the draft later. I'm not saying this because Mike drafted AP. Mm. But I would be more worried about AP only because now the onus is going to fall squarely on his shoulders. It's, it was already on his shoulders. Now I think more so they're going to lean on AP. We talked about AP working on his pass-catching skills as well, and he's probably going to use those this season. But the reason I would worry about AP more than in Ezekiel Elliott is because at least the Cowboys have three guys who started at running back in this league. They essentially have three starters, Terry McFadden, Alfred Morris, Ezekiel Elliott. So they have three starting running backs behind the best offensive line in the game right now. The Vikings had offensive line issues last year, and Adrian Peterson has been great despite those issues. But an average to below average running back is is not going to do well behind that Vikings offensive line. Yes, I know they brought in Tony Sperano, who's offensive line coach that was expected to improve the offensive line, but we haven't seen it yet. So until we see improvements, we can't bank on those. We, we do already know that the Dallas Cowboys have probably the best offensive line in the game. So, again, if you're if you if Ezekiel Elliott or Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris are available, I would not hesitate to pick them up. If AP is there past the first round, sure, pick him up. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of touches because, no, of course, no Teddy Bridgewater. But if, if defenses say, hey, we're going to stack the box against this guy and hopefully he wears down by the third, fourth quarter – it could happen. Adrian Peterson isn't isn't twenty something years old like Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he is about, I believe, thirty one. So, and he's had a lot of mileage on his tires. So, I would be I would be a little worried about AP there. How is it that the Dallas Cowboys can have in your because you said it twice the best offensive line in the game, yet they can't stop the rush because they're great on on they're great on their own rushing game. They're, they can block for their for their running backs as as I've seen last year with Darren McFadden. But they can't block when it comes to their, the safety and the health of their quarterback. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about it. I don't get it. And you know, the thing is with that, Tony Romo scrambles. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he scrambled when he got hurt in the preseason. I had to look at the tape on that. But he moves around the pocket. And if he's moving around the pocket and it looked like he landed awkwardly there, not so much that a quarterback, uh, uh, you know, a defensive end or a linebacker crushed him. It was more like he... He got touched, but he also landed awkwardly. I think Tony Romo is just old at this point. Yeah. He's just brittle. Yeah. I mean, you you said at the beginning of the segment he's had injury after injury. It's just he had like two back to back collarbone injuries. He tried to come back last year, re injured his collarbone, his clavicle. 
I, his body's just wearing down, and it's just I think it's just wearing tear. Some people are just injury prone, and I think Tony Romo at this stage of his career is injury prone. I know he hasn't missed a lot of games before last year, but he's, he's falling apart. So, all right. So here's a couple names. Um, they're all quarterbacks. Obviously, I don't know if any of them would be better than Dak Prescott, but we're going to look at either being a backup for the Cowboys or a starter for the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to give you a name. You tell me if if they fit in either place or if they belong on the scrap heap. You ready? Ready. All right. Geno Smith. Um, I'm sure. Okay. Now, you want me to say that he, okay, he belongs on the scrap heap, but I think he has a chance for the Cowboys and Vikings. Yeah. I'm, I'm, for him, I don't think, I think the fact that he's now the third string uh, quarterback with the Jets, because we, from everything we've read, Petty looks phenomenal and he's going to be back in a Fitz, Fitzpatrick. So maybe not the scrap heap so much, but better than a third string with the Jets. Okay, Brandon Whedon. Oh, scrap heat. <laughs> but he is, the, he is the backup in Houston. He is, but didn't you see... I mean, did you not see him with the Cowboys last no, year? No, I did, but then I, he did actually go to the playoffs. So, eh, question mark. Yeah, yeah. All right. A guy that's never really gotten much of a shot, but Ryan Nassib with the Giants. I, I watched him in the preseason. I vomited multiple really? times. Okay, right. fair enough. Uh, well, Colin Kaepernick, take take away, <laughs> take away. Yeah, take let's just for a moment. Let's just take away all the drama that's been going on. Does he have enough left in the tank to lead a Minnesota offense? He has a similar game to Teddy Bridgewater. He actually probably has he has a stronger arm than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he does. The problem is he lost a lot of weight. As I said, he's a vegan now, but he said he's going to put his weight back on. I think. GMs will just be worried about his body composition. Can he take the rigors of the NFL now with a slimmer build? I mean, you see his bicep now. It's very it's very skinny. So Yeah, it's not like yours. I, yours you're jacked. He's he's skinny. Wait a minute. Things. Okay, I've been doing some bicep curls and some some pull-ups, some overhands. Uh, my bicep's a little bigger than Colin Kaepernick's. Hey. He's taller than me, so it doesn't seem that way. Like 12 inches. But just understand that I'm up there. Yeah. But I think he'd be good enough to play for the Cowboys or Vikings without all the political stuff. All right. So we already talked about Mark Sanchez. He should lead the Cowboys to the promised land. Uh, what if what if the Los Angeles Rams decide to make Jared Goff the starter uh, in case Keenum were to become available? Anything there? Uh, I, you know what's funny? I actually like Case Keenan when he was with the Texans. I, I know his record doesn't show much, but I think he would be ser- serviceable enough to, to be on the Cowboys or Vikings as a starter. How about uh, Aaron Rodgers' caddy, Matt Flynn? He's he's chilling at home, with counting that Seattle money still. Yeah, he can continue to chill at home. He couldn't <laughs> he couldn't hack it in Green Bay when uh, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. You're just mad because he didn't do it in Oakland. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, uh, come on, Derek Carr, rookie, came out of Fresno State out of a spread offense and beat Matt Flynn out for the starting job. Think, um, absolutely not. I think Dave, David Carr could have beat Matt Flynn for a starting <laughs> job. Uh, and last but not least. The knucklehead of all knuckleheads. The guy who actually, if you had to compare him to Teddy Bridgewater, a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, would, might be his doppelganger, Johnny Football. What do you think? Johnny Football could continue to be Johnny Couch because uh, that <laughs> just not, I didn't like, okay, he had his spurts in Cleveland when he was on the field, but I don't even know if he has head on straight that Johnny, I mean, I know Jerry Jones wanted Johnny Manziel coming out, and yeah. basically Stephen Jones had to strap him to the chair and, and make the pick for him. But at this point, he let's just let Johnny football get himself together. 
All right, so Johnny Football, uh, you can actually play on our flag football team because Mo doesn't think that you belong in the NFL anymore. All right, moving on to another quarterback situation, but it's no longer a situation because Mr. John Elway, my football hero, has decided to pull the plug on the Mark Sanchez plan, uh, and it looks like Orlando native Trevor Simeon is going to be the starting quarterback on Thursday night as the Denver Broncos unveil their championship banner. What? Did, did I just did I just read that correctly? Yeah, you. I like how you introduced him as the Orlando native to kind of add some spice to him there. That's Big ups. Funny. He did go to Northwestern, so we don't have any Florida college connection, but he played uh, Olympia High, which is uh, a pretty predominantly awesome high school program here in uh, Florida. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he, he, took, he took the uh, – the bull by the horns in the preseason, he played a lot better than pretty much anyone, not named Paxton Lynch, but we knew going into this Paxton Lynch was not going to be ready. Uh, and and it looks like the Broncos, if they can work out a trade or cut, Mark Sanchez is going to save $4.5 million uh, on salary, and they wouldn't have to send a seventh-round pick back to Philly. Not that a seventh-round pick usually turns into a lot, but, you know, it is what it is. So um, are you are you okay going with Trevor Simeon? Or like we talked last week, would it be would it be wiser in the long run to just go with Paxton Lynch? Yes. Number one, Trevor Simeon, I watched three of the Broncos games already, all three of them, and he, he did not I, I wouldn't say he grabbed the bull by a horn by the horns. He more rolled the bull and just didn't fall off, hanging uh-huh. on to the horn okay. like by an inch of his of his fingertip because he was he wasn't a light him up. He wasn't a Dak Prescott during the preseason. He he was alright. He was meh. <laughs> and I think the Broncos are just making a mistake here because you just throw Paxton Lynch out there because they're essentially, as I said last episode, they're the same. They're the same. They're on the same level. I, I know Simeon's had one year in the league and he knows the offense more than Lynch, Lynch right now. But Lynch is your future. You might as well just throw him out there and, and see what you get because he's eventually going to have the job anyway. And I said this on another show uh, that. Basically, you follow the Pittsburgh Steelers' Ben Roethlisberger plan. If you remember, Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl in his second year. Yes, I know it wasn't his rookie year, but they threw him out there. I believe Tommy Maddox got hurt, and he mm-hmm. got his start. Yep. And what they did was they surrounded him with, with weapons. He had a good run game, which the Broncos already have. He had a really good defense, which the Broncos already have. And the Steelers, didn't, their wide receivers were okay. They had Heinz Ward at the time. But the Broncos wide receivers, they have two guys who are over 1,000 yards. Paxton Lynch has all the tools there ready for him to succeed. And I was listening to another show, and they said, don't rule out Paxton Lynch eventually starting at some point down the line, like week eight, week nine. I'm saying, what's the point? Throw him out there now. Yeah, sure. Why are you waiting? Just let him start. That's your new era. Just get on with it. Yeah, if if that's the case, I would have just started Sanchez, at least for that Thursday night game. Hope for the best. Hope that the defense can carry you, and, you know, maybe you squeak out a win. But now... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't feel too great about uh, the Broncos' chances, but on Thursday night. But anything's possible. Moving to the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, JJ Instagram Watt looks like he could potentially be on track to play in week one now this could be very very scary for the chicago bears who they face because it looks like uh whitney merciless the jadavian Clowney are all ready to go and if you put you know an a grade a beef brisket in jj watt on that line oh boy jay cutler could be running for his life uh it'll be interesting to see but uh the uh, head coach 
Uh, O'Brien of the Texans t- said that uh, J.J. lifted on Friday, passed his conditioning test on Sunday, and told Jay Glazer that he wants to practice this week. And he said, but actually it was funny, Bill O'Brien said, hey, let's slow it down a bit. Uh, anybody else? Uh, I, you don't know if they'd come back from, from major surgery like J.J. Watt did, but I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, does, if, does you think he plays this Sunday, Mo? And if so, uh, is, is Jay Cutler in for a world of hurt? I think... I think they hold him out for at least one week because you don't want your best defensive player to get, get re-injured or have a setback. So I would sacrifice one week against the Bears who aren't that good anyway. Yeah, I think true. without J.J. Watt, Jay Cutler is going to be on the run because that offensive line he's behind is atrocious. Their left tackle hasn't proved anything in NFL. He struggled last year. Uh, Grasso, they lost their starting center. They lost him for the season. Kyle, Kyle Long is their only, I, I guess, perennial pro bowler on that offensive line. So I think the Texans could beat the Bears without J.J. Watt. Let him rest up maybe one or two weeks and then put him back in to avoid setback for a further injury. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, the Colts signed Antonio Cromartie. He's like, I know he's only 31, but he plays like he's 61. Is that going to make any difference to, at all in that secondary? No, and, and this is why I think, and people laughed at me for this pre- prediction, but I think the Texans are going to win that AFC South division. I, I know Brock Osweiler didn't start off hot, but Lamar Miller is going to be a big-time player there. You, you can't forget DeAndre Hopkins. But it's because the Colts just don't have a good defense. Yeah, they have Andrew Luck, who can carry them, but so far. But his offensive line, as you heard, has an injury. Hort, I believe, is out for two to four weeks. It's not the season which they initially thought which is good news. He's only out for the first quarter of the season, possibly. But still, that defense, they lost Vontae Davis to a significant injury, which is why they had to sign Cromartie, who looked terrible with the Jets last year. So I, I don't see the Colts' defense as being something that could, that could hold a candle to even the Jacksonville Jaguars, let alone Brock Osweiler if he's hitting it off with DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, it's a team game. Defense still wins championships, and defense still gets you a lot further than a, a decent offense that's behind, I guess, a weak offensive line for, for Andrew Luck. So, yeah, I'm a little worried about the Colts. People are high on them because Luck is healthy. But let's just hold off because the Texans did a good job against them last year. They derailed the Cincinnati Bengals, which was a good offensive team last year with just their defense. So I'm looking out for the Texans to lead that division and the Colts to drop to second. Yeah, I just don't see Frank Gore being able to be your number one back for the duration of the entire season. And and let's not forget about those Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they're on the come up. They they signed a couple nice pieces defensively, although I'm not sure Prince of Mukamara would have been my number one choice for a cornerback. But, you know, they got Malik Jackson from the Broncos. Another year with uh, Bortles in that offense, uh, they got a lot clicking. They got a lot of offensive weapons, and I think this is the year that it's really, really going to fall on the shoulders of Blake Bortles that if he can't get this team into playoff contention, uh, you know, the the, the, the question marks are going to start to come about if he's the right guy for that job. Don't get me wrong. I actually like the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars actually remind me of the Raiders last year. But they have a lot of talent. It's just going to take a little bit of time because, as we know, Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was a good football team. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does happen. But I just I just see the Jacksonville Jaguars' Achilles heel is going to be their offensive line. You got Luke Jok- Jokel still as your left tackle. I know they bought in Kelvin Beecham, but I, he was he was average at best with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if Bortles is going to be able to dart the ball down the field to those wide receivers, the Allen, the Allens, Allen Robinson, and and Hearns. He has, he has to have protection. And this goes back to what I was saying about Andrew Luck, is that you can have a great quarterback, but if he's getting hit, 
and he's on the ground, you know, it's, it's going to affect your offensive flow. And I really, and the thing is, I really like what Jacksonville did during the offseason. They also get Dante Fowler, who we'll talk about later on in the show. I really like what they're doing. I just, if they just had that one left tackle, like if they were to land Jack Conklin out of the draft, I would have been all for Jacksonville. But I, again, I just worry about their offensive line being that Achilles heel. I see them still as, as an 8-8 eight eight team, but still, I think they, they get a game off the Colts. And I think they give the Texans a run for the money with that offense. All right. Last week we talked about your hero, Ryan Lochte, um, about everything that he did and getting rewarded. So this next story kind of makes me a little sad. Um, why in the world is Calvin Johnson going to be on Dancing with the Stars? This is a guy that didn't have much personality in his 10 years in the NFL. He didn't dance. He didn't groove. He didn't He didn't do any of that stuff. So why is he going to be on this show? But it can't be because he's hurting for money. I mean, if he's still willing to, you know, put himself through the rigors of training and doing all this, I would think he could probably play in the NFL if it wasn't for the Detroit Lions. Like, if it was for anyone else, that he probably would still be playing. I mean, I'm just so upset right now. I don't get it. Have you seen Calvin Johnson's fingers, like, if you've seen his fingers, they look, I don't know, they just look deformed. I'd rather, I'd rather tear up a rug with Dancing with the Stars and tear up my hand. Uh, yeah. You staffer on a 4-12 and football team. You, just... you and Governor Rick Perry and IndyCart racer James Hincliffe and, of course, Ryan Lochte. I mean, what has this show come to? Uh, they need star power. I, as you said, I'm surprised he's even doing this because they did a bit on him last year, I believe, and they were talking about how he doesn't know how to dance very well. His sisters were making fun of him because they were saying he just, he cannot dance. Even when he, he doesn't want to dance on the football field, but when he tries, he is pretty much horrible. So kudos to him because he's actually stepping outside of his comfort zone with Dancing with the Stars. As you know, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of preparation to get on that show and be able to dance with the best of them. So uh, all power to Calvin Johnson. He has all the time in the world to do what he wants. Yeah, so in my uh, Dancing with the Stars pool, I have Calvin Johnson going out in week one. Let's just uh, let's just throw that out there real quick. Can you give him a chance? Give nope. him a fighter's chance. Nope. I mean, I know he's not Antonio Brown's smooth. He, he may not be Vaughn <laughs> Miller even, but I, I give Calvin Johnson a chance. I You know, he could go through a transformation where he's one of the best dancing ex-football players ever who knows maybe he gets back into the nfl he becomes the next to and starts dancing in front of everyone does the ray lewis dance you know what if it brings him back to the nfl i'm all for it because i miss i miss a giant wide receiver with great hands and great speed there's just not not that many of them left in the nfl yeah, you're absolutely right. But uh, speaking, I guess, not speaking of speed or giants, because uh, a lot of wide receivers have went down in the preseason. They're talking about, I guess, nixing preseason games completely. I, I know John Harbaugh had his his spiel about we don't need preseason games after a couple of his guys got hurt. And I have a little pushback with the whole let's get rid of preseason games. I heard good arguments against preseason games. Yes, of course, because players do get hurt. Tony Romo got hurt. But what I will say is that players are going to get hurt regardless. We we just, I mean, it was reported Chetty Bridgewater hurt himself on the practice field. It wasn't even a game. It was practice. It was practice, man. It was practice. Talk about practice? And, and, you talk about, you, practice, you, talk about you talk about practice. You ain't talk about the game. You talk about practice. I'm talking about practice, man. <laughs> but uh, Calvin Benjamin also tore his ACL last year in a joint practice with the Dolphins. wasn't even a real game. It was practice. Dante Fowler tore his ACL on the first day of minicamp last year. So I, you know, I if I think they need to lessen it. I, I'm in favor of less preseason games. Maybe just have two. We don't need four of just 
third stringers out there, second stringers. But what I will tell NFL team is this. If they do keep it at four preseason games, don't put your starters on the field. Let let them, let the starters do their work in practice and let your second yeah. and third stringers go out there in the preseason and play hard because they're playing for a playoff. Uh, a roster position at that point in their career. So it's just like the old deal. If, if someone gives you four crates of cookies, do you have to eat all of them and get a stomachache? Yep. Does McDonald's make people fat, or do their eating habits cause them to gain weight? You don't have to do both. it. Both. Definitely it's, both. Just say no. Just say no, people. <laughs> I hate the NFL preseason with a passion. Uh, uh, I think we do away with it completely. I'm all for more practices. I'm even for adding an extra game or two onto the, the schedule. I mean, you can start the season, you know, two weeks earlier instead of doing four weeks of, of preseason games. The best thing that comes out of the NFL preseason is hard knocks on HBO. It's about all that does it for me. Um, and, you know, like, you, you, even if you put in your, your your starters for one series, you still risk that potential. I mean, yeah. it just it is what it is. And, and your great point, you guys can get they can get hurt at any they can get stepping out of the shower, they can slip and break a hip. I mean, it probably will happen to Tony Romo at some point. But it's just it's it's extra it's undue risk. Uh, it is long. I mean, four weeks is a long time, and this is even before training camp, mini camp. There's a, a lot of opportunities to get hurt. I mean, you don't want to see a guy get hurt at all, but it's almost a little bit on more understandable if it happens in the regular season. I mean, it was a couple years ago when Tom Brady got popped in the knee by Bernard Pollard, and he missed the entire year, and that was the Matt Castle year. But at least you could say, oh, at least it was week one. You know, it wasn't week four of of the of the preseason. So, you know, I I just think I think preseasons in all sports are too long. Baseball has like 40 games. The NFL has four. Basketball has like, what, 20? It's, it's just too much. Uh, nobody's really wants to, nobody wants to pay $300 to go see a preseason game to watch, you know, me and Mo line up against one another. Uh, let's just let's just kick the tires, light the fires, get to the regular season. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy. Uh, absolutely. Uh, like, again, I if they extend the season, then I would assume that they're going to expand the rosters because if you're playing more yeah. high, you know, high impact games, then you're going to need more players because then you're going to have more injuries. And I guess the players would also push back maybe the NFLPA because they they would say, well, you're trying to protect players from injury, but you're adding more games. Yeah. Like kind of contradicts, but we all know it's a whole money grab situation. But we'll see. The NFL has been kicking around an 18 game season for the longest time, hasn't come to fruition yet. But when it comes down to those dollars and the NFL popularity we have, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually happens. More money, more dollars. That's it for Open Mic. We'll be right back with Building Momentum. It's now time for Building Momentum. Well, we got a little something new at the Mike and Mo Show. We actually got our first sponsor. So um, we're very proud to uh, bring on BetDSI as uh, one of the sponsors of the segment that we've always been calling building momentum but for those of us who love and live sports this time of year is loaded with events of course the nfl is about to hit back into action mlb and pga are going strong and of course the ufc has some great fights in the mix uh we've also got the most entertaining presidential race ever with donald trump and hillary clinton about to unfold and so it's going to provide plenty of free comedy that we can handle throughout the rest of the year that's right. With all these events going on, it's a great time to join BetDSI.com for all your sports wagering action. Watching games are fun, but when you have a little bit riding on the outcome, it gets real exciting. I actually play there myself. Why? Because they're A-plus rated on sports book review sites, and they have excellent customer service. So 
They offer all sorts of odds on NFL, NCAA football, all major sports leagues, and also has some fun option bets for the 2016 presidential election, reality TV shows, and a lot more. The Bet Side site is quick, mobile access works great, and it's very easy to use. Playing there makes watching games fun and a lot more intriguing for sure. Okay, so here's the thing that you need to remember. As a Mike and Mo Show listener, BetDSI currently has a fantastic promotion where you can actually try this site out for free. Simply sign uh, sign in at BetDSI.com using the promotion code MAN10. All right, so that's going to be up in the little corner of the box. And you're going to get $10 free to bet on NFL or any other current sporting events going on in the world happening right now. Once again, promo code is MAN10. Use that promo code and you'll be ready for some fun. You can pick some games, maybe pocket some extra cash, you know, take your girl out, your boy, whatever you want to do. Uh, and again, that's courtesy of BetDSI.com and the Mike and Mo Show podcast. So, you know, Thursday night, Broncos, Carolina. I mean, that's this the time. You want for 10 free dollars? Go to BetDSI.com, hit Mike and Mo Show, go to the little corner of the box, Man 10, sign up, play, and win. All right, so let's get to uh, let's get to the uh, the meat and potatoes of the episode, Mo. Uh, we talked that this was going to be an NFL centric show. I want to know, and I've got a list. I want to know you, Mister Football. Who are your young NFL players that are ready to shine for 2016? Give me them. Give it to me now. Okay, I'm. You went with the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh. Get to the chopper if you want to live. Come with me. Get to the chopper. Mo, Mo, do you want to live? Come to the chopper, Mo. Now you see that? You always get on me for not watching TV or movies. I caught that. Congratulations, okay. 1989 call. They want their superhero back. Okay. Hey, hey just just know that. Just acknowledge that. But yes. okay, my rising stars. I went with a little bit of some undercarders, some people that may be under the radar that you don't know about. Uh, quick quick notice for Devin Funches for Carolina. It's been said that he's been performing a lot better than Kelvin Benjamin during camp and preseason. So you want to look out for Devin Funches. He kind of came on at the end of the year last year as a, as a primary target for Cam Newton. I think he's going to be a rising star. Uh, Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a really good uh, rush with their front three. Cameron Hayward leads the way there. But I think Bud Dupree breaks out this year with eight sacks. He only had four last year. He admitted that he had a rookie wall. His conditioning was was kind of poor. He put on weight. He's in shape now, and he's taking cues from James Harrison, who you all know is probably going to live forever and be immortal. So look out for Bud Dupree and eight sacks. Preston Smith with the Washington Redskins, he had eight sacks last year and didn't even start. He only started one game. He was a rotational pass rusher, but I think this year he starts, and he has a double-digit sack season for Washington. People are paying attention to Josh Norman, but the guy up front to watch is Preston Smith. And, of course, I cannot go without mentioning Amari Cooper. Of course, you all know I cover the Raiders. Do I you? Wait, Cooper. you do? You, you cover, you cover the, the Oakland Raiders? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Thanks or Oakland. Is it? I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it? But anyway, <laughs> okay. you, you get the idea. I know the Raiders like the back of my hand, and I've watched Amari Cooper, and he is set for a breakout year. I mean, he had 1,000 yards last year. And this is what a new offense with Musgrave coming in, Derek Carr getting used to his new rookie weapon. So now they have a whole year together. They dormed together when they were in Napa uh, practicing and doing training camp in the preseason. So those two, Derek Carr and, and Amari Cooper, ACDC, they're going to be on the same page. If you pick them in your fantasy league, great. If you're rooting for the Raiders, great. If you're an Amari Cooper fan from Alabama, like some of my followers, great, because he's going to have a huge, a huge yeah, I'm predicting about Huge. 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. You're fired. <laughs> Huge. This is going to be huge. You're fired. Um, 
let me tell you about the summer that I that I camped in Napa. Uh, it was it was really? lovely. I'd wake up in the morning, a little fresh dew on the grass. I'd pick a couple. No, I'd never. I mean, I'd love to. Uh, I'm willing to. Anyway, my top stars. Marcus Mariota. Now, uh, he went kind of high in a lot of, lot of NFL uh, fantasy drafts we've been looking at. Uh, we all know his backstory, former husband winner, good-looking guy, wears puka shells. Uh, but he completed 62.2% of his passes last year. He actually had over 2,800 yards, uh, 19 touchdowns. Didn't seem like that because he was on a horrible team. Uh, but, you know, he only threw 10 interceptions in 12 starts. So I, I really like that to build off of. Uh, he did have one of the worst rushing games in the history of the world last year Antonio Andrews led the team with just 520 yards uh 3.6 yards attempt uh so he's got a lot better this year he's got Derrick Henry he's got uh your boy from Philly DeMarco Murray he's got a lot going on uh I definitely think that that he's gonna put up solid numbers again I don't see that team winning more than eh, six games but uh, I definitely think he could be solid in three preseason games so far. And I, and I, I say preseason, be careful. 300 rushing yards from his team with a 6.7 yards per attempt that is just going to make him, uh, you know, better. I, if, again, if he can stand on his own two feet because his offensive line liked to, you know, do the old bullfighter and let him get destroyed last year, then he'll be fine. So it'll be interesting to see. Another guy, probably not much of a sleeper if you watch football, but David Johnson, running back, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the guy was a, a former third-round pick. Last year, he had 1,038 total yards and 12 scores on just 161 touches. Yeah, that's 6.5 yards per touch. Uh, pretty phenomenal, isn't it? If you're like 4.0 or over, you're a, you're a pro bowler. Well, yeah, 6.5. Uh, biggest issue with him is that he had to split time with uh, Chris Johnson. Johnson's still in the fold, but it's not it's not his position to lose this year. It is uh, David Johnson's, not Chris Johnson. Uh Basically, this guy's a juggernaut. Uh, he's averaged 5.3 yards in limited action this preseason. Uh, and, and don't be surprised if he if he gets over 2,000 yards total offense, if he can catch the ball out of backfield, he can run. He's going to be a goal line presence. This guy should, could very well be a top five fantasy pick. Uh, you heard that from me. Moving on is Dante Fowler. We talked a little bit about him and the Jaguars. He missed the entire year last year tearing his ACL. Uh, so this is his, technically his rookie year. So it's an it's a very important year for him. It's, he's a very important figure in the defense because uh, we don't you know again we don't know exactly what he's going to what he's going to give. But he should uh, add a consistent pass rush. That's exactly what the Jaguars need. Uh, he's looked dominating at camp so far. Again, it's camp, but at least it's better than not looking dominating. Uh, and again, he's getting his reps at the time. Uh, he's learning the nuances, the speed of the NFL. Will he be ready to go week one? Maybe. But again, if you're looking for a sleeper, if you're looking for a defense to possibly trend, uh, to play against a weaker uh, interconference team, go, go with the Jaguars. They've got a lot of upside, and they'll probably be sitting on the waiver wire every week for you. And then last but not least is my man who I drafted, Tyler Lockett, Seattle Seahawks, a diminutive wide receiver, caught 74% of uh, the 69 passes thrown in his direction last year. Uh, he only dropped two. So he's got good hands. Former third-round pick, he uh, had 664 yards and six touchdowns last year. And again, he didn't really come on until the second half of the season. I think he's going to be huge. Uh, Jermaine Curse, yeah, he's still there. Yeah, he's technically still the number two, but but Lockett is definitely the number two option uh, behind Doug Baldwin. So pick him up, pick him up early. I think I got him like in the eighth round, give or take. Uh, all in all. Uh, he, he's going to be he's going to be even better than 75 percent as far as his catch rate is concerned. And again, with Doug Baldwin being now a premier 
wide receiver in the NFL, it's just going to give Lockett that much more opportunity. And this guy is fast. I mean, you can just send him on a fly route, and uh, nine times out of ten, he's going to beat that corner or that safety. So if you're looking for somebody that you can grab a little bit later in your NFL fantasy drafts, maybe around eight, nine, ten, uh, pick up Lockett. He won't disappoint, especially in a flex position. Yeah, if you, if you missed out on Doug Baldwin, because I didn't, uh, you could probably pick up uh, Lockett. Or or maybe curse is no, um, don't don't do don't do curse 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 is still on our waiver wire don't don't do that. <laughs> He's throwing out hints there, people throwing out hints. But yeah, uh, we just talked about the our our rising stars in the NFL as we as kind of similar to the NBA rising stars in their sophomore years. Both these players are in their second year or, or technically in their second year. As Mike pointed out, Dante Fowler was hurt his rookie year, so. It, it's kind of his rookie year, but his second year in the league. But let's move on to picking the division winners. Since this is going to be our last show before the season actually kicks off, we have never broached this topic, but we'll just go through each division, and Mike and I will, will give our prediction as to who wins the division. We'll start off with the NFC East. Uh, based on that Tony Romo news, I do like Dak Prescott, but I think the Giants' improvements over the offseason with their defense, Janoris Jenkins, Olivia Vernon, uh, J.C. Pierre-Paul without the club, I think the Giants defense is going to carry them a little bit. Their offensive line looks very shaky. They re-signed Will Beatty because Marshall Newhouse is, is looking very shaky, as I said, and Eric Flowers is not looking like he's improving very much. But I think the Giants still come away with a division win only because Eli Manning has been on fire the last two years. I believe he's over 30 touchdowns. He's had his most touchdowns and passing yards in his career, I believe, last year. So the Giants, between their offense with Sterling Shepard, who is also on my fantasy team, and their defense, they win the NFC East. Uh, Giants, Giants, Giants. Uh, Dax is going to be fine. Maybe they get eight wins. It's not going to be enough to win that division. I'm not worried about Philly uh, and their situation because it's only a matter of time before Bradford slips in the shower too. And Carson Wentz is not ready. He also has a cracked rib. Uh, maybe Kirk Cousins. I see them more in a wild card position. Uh, if if they play the way they did last year, because we they did play over their heads. Let's be honest. And they're not gonna play over their heads again. Please, people, do not drink the Kirk Cousins Kool Aid. <laughs> I did. League, I did. Not in real life. Do not, please, do not drink. I'm warning everyone. I've been warning people since day one. Do not drink the Kirk Cousins Kool Aid. Please don't. Drink please it. Don't do it. All right. So who you got for the NFC North? NFC North. I got to go with my, I'm not going to spoil it, but the Packers, they're going to win 14 games this year. ESPN has said they're favored to win every game this year, and there's a reason for that. Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Nelson's back. Eddie Lacy looking felt. I watched him against the Raiders, and he looks quick out there. So really like the Packers, and their, their defense is going to be pretty much underrated. People always pay attention to Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers defense is pretty solid. And now you got the Vikings losing Teddy Bridgewater. Got to beat the Packers. Yeah, I don't even think there's much of a conversation to be had for that division. Um, Packers all the way. Uh, obviously, it will be huge to see what happens with Jordy Nelson, especially for me since I have him on my fantasy team. Uh, but again, he's just going to open up so much more for Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to just rely on Cobb because kind of showed last year that he's not a number one receiver. Um, still don't really feel that they have much of a tight end presence, although didn't you take Richard Rodgers? No, I actually took Jared Cook. Oh, okay. He's just as bad. Um, <laughs> and and <laughs> we did hear about uh, the two men, Julius Peppers and Clay, uh, what's his name? Clay, you know, yeah, that long haired guy. Uh, they were cleared by Al Jazeera, so um, Al Jazeera just needs to go away. Everything that they've reported has been discredited to this point. Moving on, who you got in the next division, Mo? 
Yeah, we, we're probably going to disagree on this, and uh, a lot of people probably disagree with me on this, but I think the Saints win that division. What? I, 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 am, I am on the Saints bandwagon. Initially, I was a lot stronger in this position because I really like Sheldon Rankins, but as you know, Sheldon Rankins got hurt. They also lost a second-year linebacker that I believe added to their pass rush, but I think the Saints defense has an upgrade with Nick Fairley. He's going to be there to stop the run. I have faith in their in their uh, defensive backs to at least be decent, not horrible. Yes, I know they got rid of Keenan Lewis, but he's had a hip, a hip issue. I think the Saints are going to be able to beat Carolina this year only because, and now people say I'm weighing too much on Josh Norman leaving Carolina, and it's not that. It's the fact that Carolina has two rookie cornerbacks starting. Two rookie cornerbacks starting against Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has all of these weapons at wide receiver. Michael Thomas, the rookie. As you know, uh, Willie Snead had a good year last year. Brandon Cooks is on the come up. The Saints are going to give the Carolina Panthers problems, and I think they can win a division with 10 games. You're out of your mind, okay? Josh Norman has been getting burnt like toast in preseason by everybody, <laughs> so I don't care about him and his millions of dollars hanging out in Paris, okay? Um, you got, you got to go Carolina. I've got Carolina going deep, 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 like Super Bowl champion deep. This is this is this is my man. Cameron Newton's year to lose it all. He's the reigning MVP. He's only going to get better. Uh, the guy's a touchdown machine. Kelvin Benjamin, drop the mic. Just saying, I got Cam Newton on my fantasy team. So if you're right, it still bodes well for me. So I win. If they if they do well, I still win if they don't. Yes, and I have their tight end, so throw the ball to the tight end. Thank you very much. Stop. Okay, moving on to the AFC. The AFC East is still basically the Patriots division. I don't care if Tom Brady's out for four games, as long as he's not out for eight or ten or the whole season. It's still the Patriots division because, as someone said in our fantasy league, when Brady gets back from his suspension, there is going to be fire in his eyes. And that Patriots team is equipped. They got Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett at the tight end. Julius Edelman, if he can hold his foot together, he'll be great. And I think the Patriots still in that division and probably a, I would say, maybe 11-5, and 12-4 record. So upset with you right now. You have no idea. I'm I'm so upset with you. Um, It's the Jets. It's the New York football Jets, okay? Because if they don't win it this year, break up the team. Break up the team, all right? Break it up. Break it up. Bryce Petty looks good. Put him as a starter. No, it's. I think the Jets are built this year to win. Uh, They're aging very rapidly. Uh, So Bryce Petty. Get ready. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I got New England winning the wild card, so I'm not not really surprised at all that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're disrespecting the New England Patriots who won, I don't know, the last, like, eight of nine AFC East championships or something like that? Like, they won an absurd, absurd number of AFC East titles, and you're picking the Jets with Fitzpatrick coming back. You're, you're drinking the Fitzpatrick Kool-Aid. I know you are, and I know he had a career year last year. Yeah. But he is not Tom Brady, and he is not what the Patriots have right now. And the Patriots have no running game. It's Blunt again. It's James White again. But this time, it's Jimmy Garoppolo for four games. Julian Edelman still dealing with a foot injury. Gronkowski... Who knows? He could be great again, or he could get hurt again. He he's he's going down that Tony Romo path of injuries right now. Uh, yes, they they got Martellus Bennett. Yes, they they solidified the defense a little bit, but it's not enough, I think, to overcome that four game absence. Because if they go one and three, or God forbid, zero oh and four, that's a pretty big deficit to come out of. Two and two, fine. Three and one, even better. Four and zero, oh, it's not going to happen. But 
I, yeah, I just, I, I don't, yes, Brady will be fantastic. He will be great when he comes back. But again, eventually, Father Time is going to catch up with him. So why not this year after missing four games? Why not? Everybody's looking at, oh, it's Brady's going to come back with Hades in his eyes and he's going to be great and, you know, this and that and just uh, blah, blah, blah. But what about the fact that if this is the year at almost 40 that he finally starts to deteriorate? Even if it's a little bit, it might not be enough to overcome 0-4. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Brady's hair yesterday? Did you see his hair yesterday? The uh, guy can grow a full head of hair after buzz cutting it. You don't think he's at the top of his game? The guy is in shape. He he has a strict diet. He's you know he's got Giselle there. He's not on a decline. People are waiting, and you're one of those people yep. waiting in the weeds for Brady to be on a decline. It is not going to happen this year. If he's going to be because he's going to miss four games and he's going to be on fire. If they block the way they did against the Denver Broncos in that AFC Championship game, it won't matter. He will be destroyed by, by week six. It won't matter because they have to keep him upright. And we saw that if any good defense puts pressure on Brady, he is starting to succumb to the pressure because, again, he has started to lose a little bit of that mobility. He's not Tom Brady circa 2002. 10 it's it's just not so again stop drinking the kool-aid the tom brady is you know the, the second coming he's he's not all right all right just to wrap this up <laughs> i i like the jets as a wild card team great the new patriots will start off one and three and finish 11 and one which will give them 12 and four but both jets patriots make the playoffs okay now moving to the mm-hmm. afc north even though Le'Veon bell is out I still like the Steelers. Uh, Antonio Brown, who's first in my fantasy league, um, he's going to be a monster as usual. He's in all the commercials. The Steelers have it. I don't see the Bengals challenging them. The Bengals lost two wide receiving threats. And Tyler Eifert, their tight end, who broke out last year, is going to be out for the first four to six weeks. So the Bengals are going to struggle offensively a little bit, and the Steelers are going to take advantage of that, and they'll win the division with about 11-5, and 10-6. and six. Benny Roethlisberger, my fantasy quarterback, Ladarius Green, my backup tight end, Chris Boswell, my backup kicker. I'm going all. I'm going in on the Steelers this year. They put up points. The defense is meh, but they they put up enough points to beat most teams, especially in that division. Absolutely right. Moving on to the AFC South, which we brief, briefly spoke about, and as I said, the Texans will win that division at I believe ten and six. I believe the Colts finish nine and seven. Gotta believe in J.J. Watt in that defense. I think they're going to have the best defense this year. It's very similar to what the Broncos had last year, and I think it's going to take them very far. It's going to take them to a division title and possibly an AFC championship game. Now, remember, the Super Bowl is in, I believe, NRG Stadium in Houston. So if they get to the Super Bowl, it is a home game for the Texans. Yeah, I got I got Houston. I got love for him. I actually have uh, Jacksonville finishing in second and the Colts in third. So how does that make you feel? actually makes me feel good because people I think are too high on the Colts only because Andrew Luck forgetting it is a team game if you don't have an offensive line if you don't have a defense it's not going to be pretty but moving on to my favorite division and I'm looking at the notes and I'm a little upset at my pick I'm just a tad bit upset and I'm going to explain why Uh because you had Trevor Simeon yep I don't know I'm spoiling but you got Trevor Simeon starting Mm mm-hmm how do you not pick the Raiders to win that division? But with the Chiefs losing their best quarterback, their best pass rushers on the pop list, how do you not pick the Raiders? Because I'm picking the Raiders to win the AFC West. I, th- I I hate to say it, Mo, but I think you're in for a letdown. I think there's so much hype around the Raiders. The only place to go is down. Seriously? Yeah, I don't. I don't have Denver winning division. I have Kansas City, and yes, I know their best. Their end, Justin Houston, is going to miss six weeks, but they're they're just a solid, consistent team. They're just they're just good like if jamal charles can run 
God willing, the way that he used to run before many an ACL injury or even halfway because they do have uh, wear as the backup. They're going to be good. Jeremy Macklin, Travis Kelsey, they've got still got a great defense. They, they're, they, they're bringing back most of the team from last year. So it's really their division to lose. It's, it's not the Raiders to win. Uh, you know, if, if anything, it should be Denver's to lose because they're the reigning Super Bowl champ, but we know that their quarterback situation. So I know you're, you're right for the Raiders, and I know you love everything black and silver, and I'm a big fan of the colors, and I'd love to see them in Vegas. Just don't see it this year and i hate to say that i could see a six and ten output sorry what a yeah. six and ten that's sorry. all you give they were seven and nine last year you it, I, I just told you i said backtracking i told you i don't see it i i, I oh, what mike, I'm sorry. mike hey. i advise you to follow me on bleach report this year as i cover the raiders when they make the playoffs right. in, in that division i know you point out some good things about kansas city I'm not going to poo-poo Alex Smith. I actually have more respect than the average person. I know he doesn't stretch the field and look exciting, but he gets the job done. I understand they got Jeremy Macklin. Their running game is probably second to only the Dallas Cowboys. But again, I'm still worried about the transition. I know they had a defensive rookie of the year, Marcus Peters at cornerback. But Sean Smith lined up against the ones last year, and now guess where he plays? The Oakland Raiders, okay? Man. So let's think about that. All right, just think about that. I like KC now as the second best team in the division after after your boy John Elway's stupid move to yeah. say, okay, we're going to start Trevor Simeon. I don't know what that's about, but Denver's going to probably finish third, Kansas City second, and the Raiders first. All right, so who are your who are your two wild card? And then, well, give me that first, and then I'll hit you with the rest. Okay, uh, as far as my wild card, I I believe as I said earlier, the Jets are are going to be in that mix, and I. At first, I'm going to have to change because I put out my predictions earlier this year. I said Denver would be in the wild card, dropping that. It, I have to lean toward the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they get it together with Tyler Eifert back. Eventually, he will get back. I still like their running back core, Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill there. The Bengals still have enough to get to the playoffs. I just don't think they win a division. They get the wild card with the Jets. All right, I got New England and I got Denver because they're going to fig- figure it out. They're going to be a... a, a- Defense first, uh, run game second. The, the the passing game will find itself. But, yes, I do have New England coming back from the, the depths of nowhere. Uh, and then in the NFC, I've got Seattle, which everybody's sleeping on, and I really don't know why. And I do have Kirk Cousins and company uh, getting the second wild card. Well, who do you got in the NFC then? It's tough because I would have said the Vikings and then they kind of cocked out. I got Carolina making it as a wild card. Yes, I'm not as high as most people. People have Carolina winning double-digit games. I don't see that happening, but they will get a wild card. And also Seattle because I have the Cardinals winning the NFC West, so I got to go with Seattle getting that wild card. I think the transition is going to start slow because I think that team is going to become a pass-oriented team versus a run-oriented team without Marshawn Lynch. You're going to see a lot of uh, Russell and Doug Baldwin hooking up. That's going to take time to get on track, but they'll make the playoffs as a wild card. Okay. And actually, I misspoke. It, I, I had Seattle going in my uh, winning division. I've got Arizona as my wild card. Uh, people are all about them. So I, I still think people are sleeping on Seattle, though. So my, my mistake for the correction. Uh, Super Bowl matchup. I've got the Carolina Panthers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think this is again another team built for right now. Uh wait a minute. What 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 was that? Wait a minute. You have two teams with horrible secondaries making it to the Super Bowl. You know that's a fail, right? Uh, no. Uh, it's a fail. I, I think I think their offense is good enough 
to get both of them into into the into the big game. I just I just do. I think they're both that good, that far ahead of the other teams that they can both be there. So can I ask you a question, Mike? Sure. Remember the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year? Yeah, what no, defense. They both have? Yeah, sure. But New England, New England's never had a great, great defense, and they've been there plenty. They got Tom Brady. That's yeah, exactly. And Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> and Antonio Brown are better than Tom Brady and anybody including Gronkowski and and Cam Newton I would take pretty much over the world right now and and you add in the fact that he's got Kelvin Benjamin and and Olsen and maybe Funches this year and he's still got Jonathan Stewart I think there's too much firepower but yes there will be a lot of shootouts there will be a lot of games that it's going to wear on an offense but I just think these teams are too good too smart uh, to really be knocked off. Yeah, I, yeah, yes, of course Seattle will be tough Arizona will be tough. There will be teams that will come out but hey, that's just me now who you got? I, I like the way Mike fights his way out of a corner. Kudos to him on that one. Um, Green Bay, New England, that's who I got. And that's who I've had throughout this whole process, even before, I would say, before the draft. I had New England and Green Bay getting into it. Again, I said Green Bay would be 14-2 and two right into the year, and New England would be 12-4. and four. Uh, New England may not look strong out of the gate, obviously, but they're going to finish strong, and you just can't go against Green Bay. It's going to be a repeat of, of a Super Bowl we saw decades ago or a decade and a half ago. Between those two teams, of course, Brett Favre was in it, and that was the Super Bowl that he won. But And this time, Aaron Rodgers is going to get his second ring over the Patriots in the Super Bowl this year. All right, so tonight starts the NCAA football, whatever you want to call it, season, the long season, the, the crazy playoff, whatever ensues. Um... Louisville's playing tonight. Got a lot of uh, a lot of people are all about them. I don't see them, you know, challenging for a national title or anything. But who, uh, who, Mo, who are your? Because um, we talked about you know we talked about big players in the in the NFL. Who are your Heisman Heisman potential or Heisman watch? Who do you got? Well, I think we pretty much agree on this one, minus one person. Well, we talked about Deshaun Watson in the past. He's the Clemson quarterback who is a dual-threat quarterback despite what he says. He is a dual-threat. Mm-hmm. Clemson's going to be pretty good this year, so you know he's going to be in, on the watch. Christian McCaffrey showed a lot last year. His coach was on, I believe, Colin Coward the other day, said that he can do everything. He can return on special teams. He can run between the tackles. He's fast outside the tackles, so, of course, he's going to be in the mix. Unfortunately, his brother, his older brother, Max McCaffrey, tried out for the Raiders and didn't make it. He got cut a couple of days ago, just a side note. Uh, Leonard Fournette, people have been saying that he should sit out because he was that great as a sophomore. LSU, they they always had seemed to have quarterback situations where not ideal but the running backs have been great and they play good defense Leonard Fournette should be great again he looks like a 30 year old man already playing among boys mm-hmm. uh Dalvin Cook had his issues last year at Florida State but he's very quick he's very good running back beyond that and I think he's going to be on in the Heisman watch without a quarterback known to man people that can't probably name the Florida State quarterback right now but you can name Dalvin Cook he's going to be in the star in that offense now some people like JT Barrett I like Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback from Oklahoma. He came onto the scene kind of midway last year where Oklahoma propelled him into the Final Four. I think he's going to be on the Heisman watch. I actually have him battling with Deshaun Watson for first and second in voting. Yeah, and 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. I think he could very well knock his way into that conversation. I just put JT Barrett because it's somebody that we know what he's capable of. We saw what he did in that historic freshman year, you know, when he recorded 44 total touchdowns. Um, you know, he was the first, uh, first team all Big Ten and finished fifth in the Heisman voting vote. So I think the team being his this year, a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot on his shoulders. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where this Ohio State team finishes. But again, the guy with nearly 65% of his passes, uh, he can, again, has a dual threat type of game, which is not a knock on any money. Uh, so I can see him there. But again, I don't necessarily believe in Ohio State. Yeah, uh, you know, a couple a uh, couple notes that I I like to just throw out there. I think Ohio State's gonna be an underachiever, and by that I mean they're gonna w- lose like two games, which again is not a lot, but in college football it'll knock you out of the potential playoff. Uh, I think LSU is gonna stink. This is this is uh this is not a- anything against Leonard Fournette. I still think he actually could possibly win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but I just think LSU in that division, uh, SEC, anything's up for grabs. But I think you'll see Georgia, Tennessee, one of those two uh, coming out on top. I think Christian McCaffrey is hands down the best player in college football. I don't know if he'll win the Heisman, but I think he'll win everything else. Uh, Maxwell Award, you name it, he should win everything. Uh, and more than likely, Fournette should win the Heisman. Uh, and I think Jim Harbaugh is going to choke in Michigan. I can see... Seven and three. What? Yeah. I know you got them. I know you got them up there, but I, I just, I'm just not a believer. I'm not a believer. Uh, I think Oklahoma just misses out on the top four. I know you just spoke about their quarterback. I think they're going to be in that Baylor situation where they're really, really good. Maybe they lose one game at home uh, and they miss out. And I, and I think the top, the top passing quarterback in the nation will be UCLA's Josh Rosen, uh, who's only a sophomore and he has a jacuzzi in his dorm room. So, Two big ups to him. Uh, I think he will be the top quarterback, and I think this time next year we'll talk. We'll be talking about him being the first overall pick, Heisman, uh, you know, president of the United States, all that good stuff. He, he, throughout this whole episode, if we rewind this and we listen to this, you're gonna have you're gonna hear me a bunch of times sounding like, like Little John. Like I'm just like what? Like a lot of after a lot of your producers, I'm just like what? 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 Gotta go out on a limb, babe. I can't. I'm not a sheep. I am not I'm a not- sheep. I'm not a sheep either, but I mean, sheepish. A lot, people, a lot of people don't have Michigan in the top four, and I do. I believe in the Harbaugh effect. Look what he did for Colin Kaepernick. I mean, we talked about him earlier, but for all football conversation, Colin Kaepernick was not even known before Harbaugh got there. He gets there, he starts him, benches Alex Smith, takes a chance with that, and for now has become a NFC superpower. So if he can do it in the pros. He can do it in Michigan. That team overachieved last year, went 10-3, and three and won the Citrus Bowls. That's that's all about the Harbaugh effect right there. So they're going to be probably maybe number three or four in the top four. I got Alabama with Nick Saban because how could you not? Because Nick Saban's yeah. great. We all know Alabama's in it almost every year, and their pedigree is going to put them into the Final Four whether they lose one game or not. Uh, I spoke about Baker Mayfield, the quarterback in Oklahoma. I think he gets it done again this year, and I think, again, he's going to be in the Heisman chase against Deshaun Watson. I think Oklahoma is going to be maybe two or three. And then, of course, you got Clemson. They have the best, possibly best college football player in the whole nation, Deshaun Watson, the dual-threat quarterback. Clemson will be back. I do like their head coach. And I think they'll, I think they'll challenge, but I don't think they'll win the title either. I think it's going to be between Alabama and Oklahoma. All right, I got Alabama playing Clemson, and I got Notre Dame playing FSU, with Notre Dame upsetting Alabama for the national championship. Chew on that. 
Wait, where did the Notre Dame, like, Kool-Aid, like, is there blue and yellow or gold Kool-Aid out there in Orlando? When, when did this Notre Dame stuff come First from? of all, I have been a Notre Dame football follower since my youth because growing up in New York, we don't have college football, as you know this. You know, can't, yeah, that doesn't count. That's Canada. Um, <laughs> so I've always been a Notre Dame fan, but I watched a lot of Notre Dame last year. And had they not lost uh, Malik Zaire, the starting quarterback, to injury, I think that they would have been there at the very and uh, the backup did a fine job, but he just wasn't ready. He was, I think he was, what, a redshirt freshman? I just feel like, again, I feel like this is another team built for this season. Uh, they, they recruited very, very well this past year. Uh, I do see FSU, uh, you know, people got them at four to start the season. I think they'll be around, depending on, especially if they get their quarterback situation taken care of. Can't, can't, uh, and Alabama Clemson would be the perfect, uh, you know, final, but I don't, it just won't add up like that to, because of, you know, the seedings and where they're going to play uh, in that, you know, that the, the game before the big game so yeah i'm going out on a limb but yeah it's all about the golden domers this year mo so you know what baby you gotta you gotta be a forward thinker you gotta you gotta just put yourself out there and you know that's that's why my middle name is danger so stop it your middle name is not danger it's michael anthony danger calendrillo that's me stop it i i mean you know i, I kind of want to pick michigan to go to the, the championship game but i you just won't. think that oklahoma is a little too would be a little too much for them but if i had to go on a limb i would say michigan dark horse to win the title i really like harbaugh i really like what he's done with the 49ers he did it with stanford before that you gotta believe in him gotta believe in the khakis don't let the gold helmet blind you mike gotta believe in seven and three from ann arbor michigan you know that's it for uh, bully momentum we'll be right back and talk a little fantasy and stay tuned the wrap-up Now, if you've been listening, we've been referencing fantasy football. Our Mike versus Mo versus the World Fantasy League kicked off last Sunday. We had our our fantasy draft, our our live draft. It's pretty fun, pretty fun to set up. Again, I'm the commissioner there, and we have 12 teams, and it went pretty well for my team. Can't say the same for Mike's team, who has the all ACL torn team. Oh. We'll get it later. Wow. Quick birthday shout out to one of the people in our league, Laura Bowman. It is her birthday today. She turns 27. 87. Uh, <laughs> shout out to her in Indiana. She's probably uh, working hard, you know, doing her thing, but she's going to have a good weekend out there. She did pretty well in the fantasy league, by the way. She took cues from a fellow writer on NFL Spin Zone, Dan Thomas, and she did She basically mapped out his blueprint. She took wide receivers heavy, and she took a lot of running backs who are dual threats. Basically, they are ball carriers and receivers. So she did a really good job on that. I think she's going to be in the top four. Not just saying that because we're cool, yeah, but. Mike, uh, Dan is pretty knowledgeable in fantasy football. He he does this, and she followed his blueprint to a T. He said that, and I really like her team. She's going to do well. Okay, so she cheated, and you cheated because you got mysteriously the first overall pick. Hmm. Really, really, Mo, Commissioner Mo, you sh- you you know what? You just that's terrible. That's just bad. That's a bad look for you. You should have given that pick up. I mean, oh oh, mysterious. I got the first round. Oh, you know what? I'll take Antonio Brown. If you were a real man, you would have taken somebody else. You would have taken a sleeper. But no, you went with the given. But you know what? It's okay because I got Ben Roethlisberger. So everything he catches, I'm getting points for. So thank you, thank you very much. Listen, okay. First of all, I, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised right. when I logged into my fantasy football league and noticed that uh, 
What was that? Rock Nation has the number one pick. By the way, Rock Nation is an old homage to Jay-Z and his company. By the way, for those wondering outside of the hip-hop loop, that's what Rock Nation So you stole the name, too. You stole the name. You cheated and stole the first pick. You know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm allowed to do that because I grew up the same area Jay-Z is from, so I'm allowed to do that. I have a pass. I can do that, okay? Me and Jay and B, we all hang out. Blue, too. We all hang out the 40-40 once in a while, but I don't broadcast that because I'm a humble dude, so I don't, I don't need to talk about that. I'll just take the name Rock Nation and be humble about it. But anyway, first pick came with Antonio Brown. I was honestly like, it has to be Antonio Brown. There's no one else you could pick, so... Can't fault me for that one. I was surprised I was able to get Cam Newton in the following round because if you look at the stats last year based on our settings, he was the second highest player scoring behind Antonio Brown. So I got both of them back-to-back. So you know it's domination time for Rock Nation. Just admit uh, it. Yeah, I'm not going to admit it because the only thing that I – the only question mark I had, which unfortunately happened in the first round, is I had the eighth pick. Really big surprise there that I was so far down the totem pole. Uh, yeah, right. Um, I had the choice of Todd Gurley or Adrian Peterson. And again, this is pre-Teddy Bridgewater blowing out his knee. Uh, if I had to do this all over again, probably would have taken Todd Gurley. But again, I had question marks, sophomore slump, uh, Case Keenum or Jared Goff, no wide receivers to speak of. So uh, I still feel okay because it's Adrian Peterson. And I think that this is probably going to be the last year that you can take him with confidence as a number one uh, a back. But I was honestly surprised he was there at eight. But for, for whatever reason, you know, which is understandable, everybody went wide receivers, even though Mo only gave 0.75 points per catch, not one point. So I I felt that if you can get a, a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield, like I did with my second pick, Jamal Charles, who should be fully healed from that ACL injury. Again, Mo called it the all ACL team. I call it the all comeback team. Because if my guys play up to their potential, including third pick Jordy Nelson, I'm going to run away with this league. Because I got Ben Roethlisberger who's going to throw the ball 40 times a game, especially to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. And, and Olsen, who can catch every ball that Cam throws his way. But what I did is I went I went smart. I went I went defense heavy because Mo put an onus on defense. And again, guys, this is the thing. You've got to know your league scoring. You've got to know. So Mo put, put big points on shutouts, put big points on picks and such. I took who did I take? I can't remember who I took. I Seattle took defense. I took the Seattle defense first, and then I came back two rounds later and took Carolina. So I can stream the two best defenses in the league. Whoever is playing the weaker team. And when you're playing in a league that puts major points on the defense, and unlike Mo, who only put four points on a touchdown for a quarterback, you've got to go with the hot hand. So, bam, who's got two defenses like that? No one. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely, and I give you credit for that, it's smart. And I and I didn't announce it because I felt like everyone should have did their due diligence to mm-hmm. look at the scoring system there that I have. And, yes, you're right, I put Onus on shutouts. I I bumped up the points for uh, if you if your defense only gives up one to six points, I bumped that up. As you said, there's there's an onus on sacks as well. It's one point five. It's not one point like most leagues. So a lot of people I feel maybe they didn't pay attention to the scoring system and that's their fault. Shame, you know. Shame. All all's fair in love and war. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Mike on that one. I'll agree with him on that. And, and that's another thing. As you said, the receptions are only point seven five, not one, but point seven five. And I did this because. I didn't want 
you know, 60 to 70 wide receivers with over 150 points because then it's it's pretty easy. Just go wide receiver until you fill up your two wide receiver positions and a flex. I wanted to make it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more even so that it entails more strategy. Now you have to consider defense. Now you have to consider quarterbacks. Now you have to consider wide receivers. Now you have to consider running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield. A lot of elements going on there. So I think this will be an interesting league. No one has any complaints so far about the scoring. I guess because they A, they either didn't see it, or B, <laughs> yeah. they planned for it like Mike did. Who knows? But we'll see. Again, I, I looking at Mike's team right now, again, it could be really good, especially if Jamal Charles and Jordy Nelson come through, or it could be really bad if they have setbacks. So we'll, we'll see. But his defense, as he said, pretty smart strategy to have the Panthers and the Seahawks because you just play the team that's having a weaker offense on the field with him. So if the team gets a shutout or the team only scores three points, he's in the clear with that. He doesn't have any worries there. Now, I know people are going to be disappointed in me because I only picked one Oakland Raider in this fantasy draft, and it was DeAndre Washington, and I dropped him this morning. Oh. I promise. So Yikes. there's my Raider pick, and he was near the bottom anyway. So. Wow. Uh, well, you know what? You're a traitor. Um, but you know what? I put a I put a big bonus on kickers, too, and I know every, every fantasy guru tells you, ah, oh, take it in the last round. But I, I think at the end of the game, if you if you need twelve points from a kicker, you can't just say, "Oh, I'll grab him off the waiver wire." No, you need a guy that has a team that scores a ton of points. I mean, I, in the first week, I'm playing a kicker from the from Parky from the Eagles. I don't trust that offense, but I've got Graham Gano, who was Carolina, and I've also got Boswell with Pittsburgh. So I know that typically, either one of those guys is going to get me double digits. Whereas if you take even Vinatieri, who we don't know exactly what's going to go on with that with that Indianapolis team, you've got to be and and again he doesn't have the leg to kick from 50, 55 anymore. You've got to be you've got to be a little leery and say, okay, well yes, they're they're a good they're a good kicker, they're accurate, but how many opportunities are they going to get? Because that's really kicker man. It, if you lose by four or five points, you can directly look at your kicker even more sometimes than your defense. You can look at that kicker and say. Well, he missed a 40. He missed two 30s. He missed an extra point. Whatever it's going to be, I don't think that there's enough enough of an emphasis put on good kickers. It's like relief pitchers in baseball. You can pick them off the waiver wires, and you can stream them and hope for the best, but when you've got one of the best, like if you've got Goskowski, you've got one of those guys that you know is going to go 34 for 36 or whatever it is during the season, you know that you only have to worry about that person come their bye week. You just leave him in, and you're good to go, and it's one less headache than, you know, instead of taking some from like the New York Jets or the New York Giants or the Miami Dolphins, somebody that you know could be out by week four. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I just real quick question. Now, was there anyone in this league that you wanted to pick that someone just swiped from you right before your pick? Where where they're kind of like, oh, I should have picked him around before. I should have picked him when I had the chance because now he's no longer on the board. Oh uh, well, you did steal Cam Newton. I was thinking I was going to get him in the second round because, yeah, because the way you set up the the scorings, I didn't think you were going to worry. Like you know, most people, if you don't take Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton in the first round, they're they'll probably be there till like the third or the fourth. So I figured once we got past the first round, I said, oh okay, well I was eight to begin with, so he'll be there. 
But, you know, he wasn't, and I stuck with Jamal Charles because I figured, you know, getting a back out of the backfield, you know, was, was more was more important to, to add to, you know, his goal line touches and everything like that. So that was one. Um, wide receivers, I'm not – I mean, I'm okay with my wide receivers. I, obviously, I like Jordy Nelson. Uh, Decker, actually, Decker was a guy, too, that I was hoping was going to be there, and he went, I think, like two picks before I had the opportunity to grab him. So that's why I took – I took Lockett later. You know, my biggest question mark was probably Deshaun Jackson – uh, I did drink the Kool-Aid on Kirk Cousins. He is my backup quarterback, and again, he's only going to play if Roethlisberger goes down or during that bye week. Uh, but yeah, I know D-Jack, he missed a lot of time last year with injury, but when he did come back, he is still that downfield threat. He's still playing with a chip on his shoulder. So I think he'll be good. If I use him, it'll be, depending, it might be in a uh, in a flex position because I did take Emmanuel Sanders as my second. Um, he was the best at what was available at the time, which was like around the fifth round, give or take. I like him i'd like him more with a with a, a proven quarterback but again i actually like him more than demarius thomas because i feel demarius thomas's game is really de- is really really dependent on a quarterback whereas this guy emmanuel can kind of hit the seam can you know break his route off can kind of do do more because he's got a little bit more of you know that scatterback kind of personality yeah two two things from my thing before i get into my disappointments i a lot of people i guess would raised that eyebrow by the DeMarco Murray pickup because Derrick Henry's there. But I think Derrick Henry, is he's a rookie, and I think it's a tandem. But DeMarco Murray catches and runs the ball well. He's going to have a resurgence in Tennessee. People are, are envisioning him in Philly, and it's going to be totally different than he was in Philly. Tennessee is totally committed to the run. As I saw throughout the whole preseason, they've been running the ball well. They did it against the Raiders. They did it week one. So I re- I'm really high on DeMarco Murray, a lot higher than most people. I will say that I, I had a panic situation at one point because I have three tight ends on my fantasy team. I have Jared Cook, I have Julius Thomas, and Barnage. Barnage was I, I wanted Barnage because he's gonna be the number one guy. Uh Corey Coleman is a rookie. RG three is not gonna be able to find him for the first few weeks. And as you know, Josh Gorman and Josh Gorman, Josh Gordon is serving a, a four game suspension. So for a while, Gary Barnage, as he was last year, is gonna be that number one target. I'm okay with Julius Thomas only because I liked what Blake Bortles is doing out there in Jacksonville. I picked up Jared Cook as a security because someone picked the Jets' defense. I wanted the Jets' defense. I do respect the Jets' defense. They're playing Leonard Williams at, uh, I believe, nose tackle. So their front three, plus uh, Lorenzo Molden out there. Jordan Jenkins is playing one of the preseason. I do like that defense. Also, Darrell Rivas out there catching interceptions. He did it during the preseason. I was so pissed that I didn't get the Jets' defense. I was kicking myself. I wound up with the Vikings' defense, which isn't so bad. But now there's going to be a lot more pressure on the Vikings defense to come through because they're without their quarterbacks. They may run the ball more, which means more methodical game. So I don't know how that's going to work out for me with the Vikings defense. But Mike made fun of me for this pick, but I am high on Ryan Tannehill. People, okay, I get it. I get it. Miko Grimes hated on him. I get it. There were problems on the practice field last year. I get it. But Adam Gase is there as his head coach. And look what he did for Jay Cutler last year. He can work the same magic with Ryan Tannehill, who had way better stats than Jay Cutler last year. Ryan Tannehill is going to be your comeback player. You will be surprised. I'll be able to interchange him with Cam Newton if Cam Newton struggles or if he gets hurt. Ryan Tannehill, look out for him. Cam Newton is not going to struggle. He's going to win the Super Bowl. So what are you talking about? Ryan Ryan Tannehill belongs on the waiver wire, and he should only be picked up if you need somebody named Ryan on your team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to fill a quota because unless we were picking like a fantasy wives team which he would go first overall i would not touch him i do not i look i got jay ajayi 
the, the hopefully starting running back for for the Dolphins. And I despise the Dolphins, but again, I hope the fact that he's going to get 20 touches a game, and he could be good. Jarvis Landry, great receiver. But, I, you know, I, I cringe a little bit taking a guy like that who's obviously going to be dependent on a quarterback who is still Ryan Tannehill because – it's Ryan Tannehill, and I just don't tr- I don't trust him. I, I, there's a lot of guys in the NFL like that I don't trust. It's like as much as I like, uh, you know, Dez in Dallas. Would I take him first or second round now? I don't know. Not with with with, with the kid, you know. I, I just it's hard to say. And again, that's why I prefer doing these drafts the last minute because I probably would have taken Todd Gurley. So I blame you again for doing this draft when we did. So thank you very much. Although my good friend Mark, who's in the league, did take uh, Gurley. Although Mark is in L.A., so I'm sure he's going to have a girly jersey on. But perhaps I can swing a trade. So, Mark, let's talk. Mark, say no. Say no to drugs and Mike, by the way. Um, One pick that that I'm really regretting, the only pick that I'm really regretting, not regretting, but I'm kind of questioning myself on is the Doug Baldwin pick. Not because I don't – I spoke highly of Doug Baldwin earlier, and I think the Seahawks do move to a pass-heavy offense, but – Let's say Jimmy Graham comes back and has a great year. He could wind up being the number one option there, or he could take a lot of targets away from Doug Bowen. I'm not expecting Doug Bowen to start the season as, as he ended last year on fire, but I'm expecting him to have a decent year. But I think I could have done better than Doug Bowen. With, I believe I picked him up in the fifth round. Maybe I could have had a better wide receiver, but it's a good thing that I did pick up Alan Hearns, who's one of the two great wide receivers out there in Jacksonville to kind of make up for that. I do, I did take a chance because Mike says, oh, you, Mo, you don't take any chances. Don't. Well, guess what? I have two rookie wide receivers on my fantasy team, Sterling Shepard, and I spoke about earlier, Michael Thomas in New Orleans, both in great situations. As I said, Eli Manning is playing well out of the pocket. He's going to be opposite. Sterling Shepard's going to be opposite Odell Beckham because, as we all know, Victor Cruz hasn't played a game in two years. And he's going to be pretty much uh, under 500 yards this year. He's still working his way back. He has to build confidence in himself to play a full NFL game. So Sterling Shepard is going to be a breakout. Michael Thomas is in a good situation in New Orleans. So in other words, uh, do not take rookie wide receivers because they will be available on the waiver wire. Let them prove themselves first, a la Tyler Lockett. Because I understand you took Michael Thomas off the waiver wire even though you dropped a Raider, you traitor. Um, But when you drafted Sterling Shepard, I'm just like, Really? Like, you know Odell Beckham is 1A, 1B, 1C. You you know that he likes Will Ty. You know that he likes Victor Cruz if Victor Cruz is healthy. So I know Sterling Shepard has a lot of upside, but I'm just not a fan of holding on to guys purely because of upside when they'll be available. I mean, there's still plenty of good guys available on the waiver wire. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad you did because somebody's got to, and it wasn't going to be me. But uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll talk about it. We'll actually have uh, maybe each week we'll bring on an owner of a fantasy team, talk about their strategy. Hopefully it gives you guys a little bit of insight into the world of, you know, potentially winning your league, especially if you're playing for money. Um, We're not. We're just playing for bragging rights and this show. So it'll be fun. But uh, if you haven't gone on our Facebook page recently, we're at uh, 7,222 likes. So uh, blowing up all over the world. So uh, jump on that train. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Mike and Mo Show. Uh, uh, you know, and of course, Stitcher is where we're uh, we're hosting the show right now. So go on to Stitcher, uh, type in Mike and Mo Show, and you can find it. You can get the app. You can download it on your phone. And uh, please write into the show. It's it's uh, mentalitymedia.com/podcast. Write into the show. Let us know. Uh, you know what you want to talk about. What you want to hear. Uh, if you want some fantasy advice, Mo is all about it. Uh, especially if it's one of the guys he's got. Uh, if it's one of the guys I got, he'll probably tell you to steer clear. But you know, regardless, it's okay. Um, 
you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an awesome season. Uh, obviously, tonight, Thursday night, does kick off uh, NCAA. The Saturday is going to be a huge, fun-filled affair. Uh, and then we're, we're, we're just, what, we're a week away from, from the NFL season. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, go to BetDSI and, and Bet Carolina <laughs> on, the, on Thursday night because, uh, I mean, what that spread, I haven't looked, but it's got to be six and a half points. I know it's in Denver, but... Oh, man, I don't know. With, with, with Trevor Simeon, I, if it's three, three and a half, five and a half, put all your money, mortgage the house on Carolina. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and a quick, again, shout out to Bet DSI, our first sponsor. If, you, if you've been listening to the show, great for them to reach out for us. Uh, we, we will be sponsoring them throughout. So please log on to that site. As we said, man, 10 is a promo code for that site if you want to sign up, play some bets, win some money. Absolutely, and we'll be back next week, episode 30, a whole new plateau, a whole new venture. We're keeping it going, uh, but we're going to be talking every sport. There will be plenty of NFL to be talking about, of course, but baseball is in the waning month. Uh, Yankees are on fire right now, two and a half games back of the second wild card. The Mets actually have some life. Cespedes is trying to do what he did last year, which is will this team to the playoffs. It's been hitting walk-off home runs like they're going out of style, although a little bit of breaking news. It looks like Steven Matz may be shut down for the season. Uh, that is still up in the air. But good times in New York for baseball right now. It's fun just to be in the conversation. Uh, so, hey, anything's possible. I'm all for a Subway series. Why not? And, of course, we're counting down the days to training camp in the NBA because you know me and Mo are all about that hardwood. And by that, I mean basketball, you sick people out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can imagine what the minds went on that. Yeah, but we're totally. waiting to see the Knicks, the new look Knicks, as you know, as we've all been talking about throughout the off season. See how many games they win. Again, I predict 48, 48 and 34. We'll see what happens. We'll keep track of it. Keep it locked here, especially in the preseason. We'll be talking about it then. Of course, we probably won't see a lot of Rose and O at that time, but. There's some young niggas on the roster that we also need to keep an eye on, too. So. Yeah, because, I mean, Derrick Rose, 82-0, and 0, baby. I mean, setting world <laughs> records. I mean, 82-0. and 0. I expect nothing nothing less. You lose a game, super you're done. Team. It's a super team. Remember super that. Super team. Like, like, the, like the dream team in New York. That's what it's all about. But that's episode 29 of the Mike and Mo Show. Hit us up, mentalitymedia.com slash podcast. Let us know what you want to hear. Stitcher.com, Mike and Mo Show. And of course, facebook.com slash Mike and Mo Show. It's been fun as always. This has been your first edition of the all-football Mike and Mo-centric show. We'll see you next week. Take care.